Okay, Gatsby heads, hey, welcome back to the OK Gatsby Season 2, Catcher in the Y. Catcher in the Y. Catcher in the Y, baby. Uh, I'm Terrence Hartnett. This is Kevin Lobkovich. Yeah, that's me. Uh, thanks for listening. We're on Chapter 23. We are winding down to the end of this book. 26 chapters. 26 chapters. And the 26th chapter is a page and a half. It's very short, but I'm sure we're going to find a lot to talk about. Oh, believe me. We can... <laughs> We waste a lot of time. <laughs> we, will, we will talk until the bell rings. Tell you what. That is, Class goes to the bell rings. Yeah, that's everybody. the kind of skill that I have developed is uh, we could have this discussion as long this, this yeah. What is the number 26? <laughs> can we talk about we it? Can, yeah, we can do it. Um, so, yeah, I think we were talking. I think this is a um, another climactic chapter. I think we had the Phoebe climax. Yes. And I think we have, we have a little, little bit of a kind of nice Phoebe moment. Yeah. A very sweet Phoebe moment. This is a kind of the Phoebe denouement. Perhaps. Yes. Oh, wait. We see Phoebe, bo- no. Phoebe one more time. Phoebe, Sorry. Phoebe is uh, really is the heart and soul of the last half of the book. Yeah. Um, but I think this is – we're at a transition. We're like we're, we're in a moment where Holden's not the same anymore. Like he can't go back to what he was before after – Everything that happens in these in the last chapter and these next few chapters, Holden will never be the same. He needs to grow up. He decided yes. that he needs to grow up. He's either going to be dragged into maturity or he's going to accept it. But it's it's, it's a happening. train that it's a train that hit him, and it's like when will he get be able to get up? <laughs> oh, he's got to figure it out. Yes. Um. So he's so he's on the phone. He's now he's in. He's still in his parents' apartment. He's on the phone in the dark calling Mr. Antolini, very nervous because his parents could walk in at any moment. So there is a nice little piece of almost like spy novel tension of like yeah. breaking into the house, trying not to get caught. So it is like just from a, a like a technique and craft way. Because like, a call to Mr. Antolini without this would be like, oh, who cares? It's one, <laughs> more, one more phone call. Yeah. yeah. But here he, it is a little bit of uh, craftsmanship to put it in the context where he can't get <laughs> He's letting the phone ring. Mr. Antolini, I'm, yeah. I'm in New York. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is, it is kind of Mr. Antolini is a fascinating character. Uh, he's been alluded to quite a bit, and he makes his brief but spectacular appearance <laughs> in Chapter 24. But he makes a, a very quick little thing where he goes, he calls. Uh, Mr. Antolini was very nice. He said I could come right over if I wanted to. I think I probably woke he and his wife up because it took them a hell of a long time to answer the phone. What time do you think it is right now? It's probably at least one in the morning, right? Would you say? And honestly, I thought like eleven in the clock at midnight. I mean, like just going by like how late people who are forty-five stay out and call it late. Yeah, but, but they are driving know. back from Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, well, yeah. Regardless, it's late at night. Twelve thirty. Twelve thirty. We twelve thirty. I'm walking. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you at twelve thirty and raise you at twelve forty-five. Okay. So the first thing uh, he asked me was if anything was wrong, and I said no. I said I'd flunked out of Pensieville, uh, which is kind of funny. Hey, is anything wrong? No, I just got kicked out of school. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I, big deal. I thought I might as well tell him. I do like his response because I told him he just goes, "Good God." <laughs> And when I said that, he, he had, had a good, good sense, sense of humor, humor. <laughs> and all. He's not joking, Holden. <laughs> He's concerned good for God. you. Good yeah, God. This is a man who's basically trying to be your mentor. <laughs> good God. Old Antolini was always good for a laugh. <laughs> 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 uh, 
just have a, a meltdown when you find out that you failed again. My word. There he goes again. Dear Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Told me to come right over if I felt like it. So which is, this is like a nice, well, I've never had a teacher even that I like, I've gone back to in high school to visit. <laughs> Me neither, and I think it's weird. Yes. I'm, I'm so, I think that it's. I think that we're not friends. I think that uh, we have a working relationship, and uh, I feel the same way about my coworkers. I'm not. I don't want to see you outside of work. I Sorry. Spe- yeah, I spend plenty of, plenty of time with you at work, and we have that relationship, and uh, that's it. Yeah, I can't think of like I, I appreciate all my teachers that. And that helped me, of course. Uh, but I'm not like, oh, I better show them how I'm doing or like yeah, <laughs> yeah. continue to interact with them. Yeah. I did have one teacher I hung out with uh, a couple times after I graduated. But, that, I mean, he was cool and everything. But it's like I don't really care about like how how things like I got to show these people and see them as mentors or anything. Yeah. You've lost the commonality that you had. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so they do, which is uh, <laughs> weird. Because you've okay, only so had school for a little while, too. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, yeah, so we've established that neither of us can relate to this relationship. Yes, it's it's already like a, a unique relationship. But it's a thing. It's a thing. We know it's a thing. We have friends People who have keep in touch. People have teachers that they care about. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. I assume they don't care about me, and I'm usually right. You know what yeah. I mean? Sorry. It's like, ah, he was self-sufficient and didn't yeah. really care. Um, so the background on Nantalini is that uh, the thing that, uh, he James, when James Castle killed himself, jumped out of the window, um, or did he kill himself? Was he killed by society, uh, or was he killed by his holdfast principles that he his, will not take back his words? Right, we're still we're still figuring that out. Me and Kev, Kev and I. Uh, quick little detail: he was not much older than my brother DB. Yeah. So we're gonna. He, is he a DB replacement? We, uh, I mean, like I think it's gonna be. Uh, yeah, my theory is that he's a stand-in for or. Uh, for DB, he's a DB-ish character. Yes, DB's mentioned of, alongside him many times. How he'd like DB to be, like a guy who stayed in New York and sure is, is like intellectual, intellectual. And figuring it out. Yeah. He definitely fills a similar role to DB. Um, that's pretty obvious. But also, he's just juxtaposition. He's just mentioned alongside DB a lot. So yes. we have to make the comparison. Yeah, uh, he, he's at least he's an older brother mentor type figure to hold right. for sure. Uh, yeah. But he picked up James Castle. Uh, he was the only guy who did it. I think this is this this scene has been described once before, right? The Antolini kind of was the only guy who, pick, who picked him up. Uh, I don't know because no? I think we. I mean, I think I've, we've just talked about it as a spoiler so much of like uh, Antolini picks this guy. Oh, you're right. Yeah, uh, old Mister Antolini felt his pulse and all, and then he took off his coat and put it over James Castle and carried him all the way over to the infirmary. Uh, he didn't even give a damn if his coat got all bloody. So there, it's just like Antolini is like a courageous, empathetic spirit. Yeah. He saw a tragic thing, and he was still able to do the right thing. He stepped up. I like that. I mean, I think that I think that there was a, I think there was one more one more description, Kev. I because I'm remembering like no one wanted to do it, and mm. he did it. I think Antolini. I'm not sure, but yeah. I mean, it was it was gross. There was like teeth all over the place and stuff. Oh like god. That. Um, um, but what what it establishes is that Antolini is a good guy. He's kind of a hero. Um, Holden remembers this and and uses it as the primary descriptor of Antolini, which is also important. Yes. Like Holden sees Antolini this way. As this, yeah. Whether or not he is that way is TBD, but we see that Holden sees him that way, which is important. Yeah. He's a, a moral figure. And also the image is a very tra- – like I, I've been going back and forth on whether it means anything beyond what it is, but 
the figure of a teacher going over to a dead boy in a prep school, putting a sports coat over him, and then carrying him, and then it's just blood all over a sports coat is like a like a mid two thousands rock album album cover. Like it's so like, oh yeah dramatic and sad and pointing about like a teacher's role for their students like to the end like having to do what it takes yeah it's yeah it's really beautiful powerful image yes uh and then there's this very sweet so right after that very gruesome image yeah boom boom dancing with phoebe dancing with his sister dancing with my sister which is alluded to before when he dances with the seattle girls and goes my sister is a great dancer oh yeah uh, and there's a small thing. You should of see Phoebe twitch her little butter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I fall half in love with her. <laughs> yeah, she's sitting like one of those yogi guys, which I think. Oh yeah. Just a small thing is. I, I mean, Salinger's famously very Buddhist, or like really likes Buddhist philosophy. Um, and I don't think Phoebe has been this like super Buddhist figure, but I think he writes about children so much because of how present and in the moment they are. Yeah. And like later Phoebe is like in between dances she stands perfectly still because yeah. she is ready to dance and that's what she's doing. Well, I mean, you can make an argument that Phoebe is the wisest character we've encountered in the whole novel, right? I mean, like who else we who else do we look to? Who else is given better advice than Phoebe? Maybe the uh the old teacher guy uh, in the beginning. Maybe Antolini at points, but like Phoebe's been uh, given some pretty sage advice to hold Yeah, him. and even her attitude where she's like, I'm in this play, it stinks, but I have the biggest part. Yeah. So like, she's <laughs> able to be like, things are bad, but I got my joy. <laughs> yes. Um, also, I mean, counterpoint, uh, just to thumb my nose at, uh, at uh, you know, what you're doing is uh, maybe it's just the way she's folding her legs in a cro- in, you know she's crossing her legs you know yeah of course it's a descriptor of the way she's crossing her legs but also I think she's very wise and I think that's, that's got merit for sure yeah uh, so they dance and it's we sweet. danced uh, okay she you can't teach somebody how to really dance I like that she learned it mostly herself. You can't teach somebody how to really dance. Do you do you buy that, Kev? As a dancer yourself? Uh, yeah, I think it definitely takes a moment where you want to be a dancer, and then you have to be committed to being a little embarrassed all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yes, our friend, our friend Noah has a theory that there is no such thing as uh, bad dancing. There's only confident dancing and embarrassed dancing. <laughs> embarrassed dancing, and no one wants to watch someone who's embarrassed to dance. Ah, and. You, if you ever see me at a wedding, I am a <laughs> force of nature that is talked about long after that day. I've seen you at places that aren't weddings that <laughs> people don't typically dance at dancing, and uh, you're far, you're a force there as well. So yeah, I uh, so shout out to Kev. Yeah, I'm, I'm a dancing machine. Um, let me see here. You can't turn them off. <laughs> <laughs> it is a burden there's to everyone only, else. <laughs> there's only one setting. There's no knob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's a funny little riff about um, people that dance with, with kids. Little, yeah, I don't like people that dance with little kids because most of the time it looks terrible. I mean, if you're out at a restaurant somewhere and you see some old guy take his little kid out on the dance floor, usually they keep yanking the kids dress up in the back by mistake, and the kid can't dance with a damn anyway, and it looks terrible. But I don't do it out in public with Phoebe or anything. We just horse around the house. So it's like, yeah, like it's this weird. It's just kind of a funny thing of like I could see that the guy when. At the wedding, yeah. dancing with his five-year-old, yeah. and like she's like uncomfortable, and he doesn't. Oh, the daddy-daughter dance, and like, and like, I think that he's saying like, don't picture this. I think what you're, I think what you might be picturing is a guy dancing with his little sister, and it's cute. 
it's not like this kind of cute. It's like we were dancing. Yeah. Like we were actually dancing, we which were, I, yeah, I respect. We were like, equal partners. Because I, I did conjure the like the, the like this kind of saccharine, sweet sort of moment, and it's not exactly that. And I appreciate no, that. No, it's like gets uh, old, old dance partners. Yeah. At it again. <laughs> you can even tango with Phoebe. She knows every dance move. You can even tango for God's sake. Yeah. So in between the in between the numbers, she stands perfectly still and waits for the next song. You're not supposed to laugh or anything either. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it is like a very a, 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 like a young girl that takes whatever she's doing very seriously in the moment. Yeah, uh, I've improved, haven't I? And how? That's what Holden says. Uh, yep. And he's smoking so much he's out of breath. <laughs> and then there's just like a cute little uh, like little sister moment where she goes, "Feel my forehead." And then he's like, why? And he's like, feel it. Just feel it once. I felt it. I didn't feel anything, though. Does it feel very feverish, she said? No. Is it supposed to? Yes, I'm making it. Feel it again. I, I felt it again. I still didn't feel anything, but I said, I think it's starting to now. I didn't want her to get a goddamn inferiority complex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's getting hotter, sure. Yeah, and it's such a sweet older brother moment of like, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll indulge her delusions. <laughs> <laughs> it's like her friends. Uh, no, she, and he continues to indulge. Like her yeah. friend tells her like, uh, you can make your forehead so hot. Or, like, you hold your breath and you think of something very, very hot, a radiator or something. Then you, then your whole forehead gets so hot, you can burn somebody's hand. And then Holden pulls his hand away in a classic bit. Yeah, and he goes, he's thanks actually, for telling me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I almost burned my hand on your forehead. <laughs> and he goes, well, I wouldn't burn your hand. I'd stop before I got to, and then I dash, and then shh, because who's home? But mom and dad. Whoa. Uh-oh. Then, quick as hell, she sat way the hell up in bed. She scared hell out of me when she said when she did that. What's the matter? I said. The front door, she said in this loud whisper. It's them. I quick jumped up and ran over and turned off the lights over at the desk. Then I jammed out my cigarette on my shoe and put it in my pocket. Then I fanned hell out of the air to get the smoke out. I shouldn't even have been smoking, for God's sake. Yes, you shouldn't have. That was a bad <laughs> move. <laughs> then I grabbed my shoes and got in the closet and shut the door. Boy, my heart was beating like a bastard. Tense it. moment. He's yeah. about to get busted. His whole journey is about to come to a sloppy end. Yeah, I like how, but like this is a tense moment. And later he's like, I don't even care if they caught me. I don't know. I kind of wanted to get caught. Yeah, it's it's such a contradiction of like, he's trying not to be discovered at home. So he like, but if he is discovered at home, the consequences are he gets yelled at for a little bit, but then gets to sleep in his then bed. He's, then he's at home. Yeah. yeah. Then you're at home. Like he's so okay. So how about this? Yeah, he's like so close to being home, but he's not home. <laughs> yes. Like he's he's. Uh, a burglar, a stranger, an interloper in his own home. Yes. And all he has to do to just go from that to being home is have like a five-minute conversation with his parents that's slightly uncomfortable. Literally not willing to face maturity so much that <laughs> he will be in his home and not in his home. It's rather, he'd rather do that. 28 years old, I still relate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, what a great me- metaphor of like breaking into your own home. Yeah. Like, that's what it's like to be... Like how isolating like growing up feels. Is and sneaking around your own, yeah, like uh, feeling like a stranger in your own home, breaking into your own home, sneaking into it. Uh, and it's like, what's the worst? Oh, I almost got caught. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Talking Absolutely. to my parents? Yes. But now here we get uh, the mother. The mother Mama has Caulfield. Mama Caulfield for the first time in the whole book. Not much to it, really, right? Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty a brief scene. She goes, Phoebe, now stop that. I saw the light, young lady. Classic mom line. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. I couldn't sleep. Did you have a good time? This is Phoebe. Marvelous, my mother said, but you could tell she didn't mean it. She didn't enjoy herself m- much when she goes out. 
And what a sad line that is. <laughs> yeah, you get like a small sad window into Mrs. Caulfield. With, yeah, with the staying up all night, smoking cigarettes, the anxiety, and then the headaches and stuff like that. You're like, oh, this is a miserable this is woman. A, this is a miserable woman. She can't. She goes out to these parties and she has a bad time. But then she comes home and like she's also having a bad time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Allie's death has ruined her. Yeah. Like, we don't get much of what she was like before, but it's clear that this is a devastated woman who's yeah. never going to quite recover. Why are you awake, may I ask? Were you warm enough? I was warm enough. I just couldn't sleep. Phoebe, have you been smoking a cigarette in here? Tell me the truth, please, young lady. Mm, what? You heard me. I just lit one for one second. I took one puff, then I threw it out the window. Why, may I ask? I couldn't sleep. I don't like that, Phoebe. I don't like that at all. Do you want another blanket? <laughs> no, thanks. Good night. <laughs> I think we talked about this where... What a weird response to your 10-year-old girl smoking. <laughs> Do you want another blanket? Yeah, well, oh I my God. I don't like that you smoked. All I right, well, <laughs> good night. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Do you want another blanket? So, like, I think I think it's, like, almost – you're talking about it now. I think it's I think it's a little bit not, – not negligent, but it's not good parenting. Yeah, kind of, like, pushover parenting of, like, well, yeah. like, I, I, my love for you is only going to be in the support. It's not going to be in a discipline or – I mean, I don't she smokes, like, so it's, like, not as bad as, like, we were we were thinking of it, like, oh, that'd be crazy, because smoking is so bad, but, like, if your parents smoke, and then you smoke, like, a puff. And also, this is when cigarettes were not seen as bad for you. Right, it's like, wait till you're 14, young lady. Yeah. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. I guess, like, what, I don't know what the equivalent would be, like, if I took a sip of wine or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like... They're like, hey, cut it out. Don't take a sip of wine, weirdo. Yeah, you, you drink a beer at 12, and then your dad's like, man, what are you doing? Also, go get me one. <laughs> <laughs> you, I'm, you're going to make me drink this whole pack. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to sit there and watch me drink this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You uh, too, Kev? That's crazy. That happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so. No thanks. Good night. She, old Phoebe said she was trying to get rid of her. You could tell. And one thing I, w- I want to talk about is how, de- de- like, Phoebe is deceiving her mother. Yeah. And she is a natural at it. <laughs> so this, playing like, like Holden like said he's so good at lying. We're like, it runs in the family. Phoebe is playing her mother like a violin. Yeah. Um, how was the movie? Excellent, except Alice's mother. She kept leaning over and asking her if she felt grippy during the whole entire movie. We took a taxi home. Uh, let me feel your forehead. I didn't catch anything. She didn't have anything. I was just your mother. Well, go to sleep now. How was your dinner? Lousy. <laughs> <laughs> and this is this is the most uh hold like we talked about the complaining about the movie, but then Phoebe goes, The lamb chop was all right, but Charlene always breathes on me whenever she puts something down. She breathes all over the food and everything. She breathes on everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, she breathes. She's the maid. She's yeah. going to breathe on stuff. Sorry. Yes. Uh, you have a maid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry your maid needs oxygen. <laughs> Hashtag maid problems. Yeah, but it sounds funny because like, she has a lamb chop. She's eating a lamb chop, and it's such a holding thing to like, yeah. it's, it's for, to have it ruined by the breath of the maid that yeah. prepared it for you. It's really good. The mom was like, we went down the butcher to get it for you. We Walked all over chop. Lexington Avenue. Yeah. So, but yeah, this is truly she's holding sister. Yes. Like, the contrast is has been there about how they're different, but then you see like, oh, they're the same. Yeah. The movie right. thing and this, it's like, I think it's almost like it's written to be like, these are <laughs> these are siblings. Yeah. No, they they do, he does a family portrait very well. Uh, and then it's like, well, go to sleep. Like after she complains about this maid, well, it's not like, hey, sleep. be respectful to the maid or anything. It's yeah. Just, 
well, go to sleep. Give mother a kiss. <laughs> it's a 60s parent thing. Yeah. Did you say your prayers? I said them in the bathroom. Good night. Which I think is just kind of a funny line of just the idea of praying in the bathroom is kind of funny. Uh, yeah. It must not be that important to you if you're doing it in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Like while you brush your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this technically counts. It's praying. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. Yeah. So her head hurts. And then Phoebe says take a few aspirins. Okay, th- that's all we get from the mother. And then Holden will be home on Wednesday, won't he? Such a, a bold faced move. What a taunting move. To true, it. true. Ball, kind of ballsy of Phoebe to just bring that up, right? Yeah, doesn't have to. She goes, Holden will be home on Wednesday, won't he? And then mom says, so far as I know, get under there now, way down. Like, yeah, like such a gutsy like lie. Where, like they ha- had succeeded. She was leaving. She's like, all right, go to bed. And she's like, like this yeah. is a, a liar of a little girl. Yeah, she wants. she's like, uh, she's doing it maybe even for like Holden's benefit. Like, watch this. Yeah, watch well, what I do. Like, yeah. yeah, she's showing. Holden's not here in the apartment, is he? No, he's not here. <laughs> no, he's not here. Why would you say that? <laughs> that would be crazy. Uh, and then she leaves. Mission accomplished. She was not discovered, but now he's got to leave the apartment. The coast is clear. So the spy novel continues. It's kind of cool. It's kinda, I think Holden makes a good point. So Phoebe goes, "Don't go now." And then uh, Holden makes kind of just kind of an interesting point. It's like, "No, no, it's a good time because like ever, they're all they're like they're like you know moving around. If I wait till they're asleep, they'll like be dead quiet. I'll have to do it like in in perfect silence." Yeah. Um. Uh. Not that it, not that they would have killed me or anything if they had caught me at home but it would have been very unpleasant and all so that's that's all that he's yeah. avoiding is unpleasantness yeah that's how far he'll go to not have to face the consequences of his actions emotional consequences yeah. to his his emotional actions yeah where the hell are you but yeah it's but it's also such a teenage thing of like knowing how to leave your house <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> like all right mom and dad are gonna be here so that's <clears throat> when i'll break out yeah they're like your your like worst enemy they're like your you know enemy number one uh, let's see. So Phoebe gives him some Christmas dough, her Christmas dough, right? Is that the next thing you get? Yes, the yeah. money she has to pay for the presents for her uh, family. And there's some negotiations. Do I take it all of it? She goes, no, take all of it. I don't need all of it. Yeah. Uh, so she does say this very sad moment. She goes, if you go away, you won't see me in the play. Her voice fe- sounded funny when she said it. So it this is like she wants Holden to see her in the play, but like she doesn't want Holden to really leave. No, and I think what's complicated is that Holden knows that, and what makes it harder for him to leave. Where like she, like he knows that she understands why he's leaving, but he all that that makes it worse. Where it's like, oh, yeah, like this is such a good sister. That Given your circumstances and that you want to leave, you should still stay. I understand you completely, and I think you should stay. Yes. Yeah. Um, and she sounds funny. That's that's Holden speak for emotional. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Holden says, "Yes, I will. I won't go away before that." You think I want to miss the play? I said, "What I'll do? I'll probably stay at Mr. Antolini's house till maybe Tuesday night. Then I'll come home if I get a chance. I'll phone you." So he has he's changing his plans. He's like, "All right, yeah, yeah, I should go to this play. I love my sister." Yeah. But basically, here's a plan. I'll stay at Antolini for two nights. But yeah, but he come back. He comes back on Tuesday night. Tuesday night, I guess. Is that a little early? Then? Uh, so maybe. So he's gonna. Sl- I th- I read it as he's sleeping there on Tuesday night until he's, he's supposed to be. Yeah, until he's supposed, he's supposed to, be, home to on be Wednesday. Yeah, he's gonna do like the, the normal plan to be. Yeah, he's gonna stay in the city until Wednesday. That was his plan. Yeah. Phone you here. Uh, here, old Phoebe said she was trying to give me the dough, but she couldn't find my hand. Where she put the dough in my hand? Hey, I don't need all this. Just give me the two boxes. All no kidding. Here, I tried to give it back to her, but she wouldn't take it. 
You could take it all. You can pay me back. Bring it to the play. That's a big line. Bring it to the play. It's such a smooth thing for Phoebe. Yep. She's so smart. She's like, I have to give him something that he has to return to me, and then he can't leave until it's given to me. And then he's like, how much is it, for God's sake? $8.85. $0.65. I spent some. Which, I don't know. The only importance I could put on that last part, $0.65 cents I spent some, is that Holden has spent $30 <laughs> in a weekend, <laughs> and, his, and his sweet sister has only spent $0.20. Cents. Yeah. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, I started to cry. Here's another classic, all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you're saying goodbye to your sister, the sister you love and you've had a sweet moment with. I love and it. And then had the crashing reality that you can't stay in your own home hit you in the face. You know when you just cry for no reason. <laughs> all of a sudden, I started crying. I couldn't help it. I did it so nobody could hear me, but I did it. It scared hell out of old Phoebe when I started doing it, and she came over and tried to make me stop. But once you get started, you just can't stop on a goddamn dime. I was still sitting on the edge of the bed when I did it, and she put her old arm around my neck and put my arm around her too, but could still couldn't stop for a long time. So this is just a brother and a sister <coughs> in the dark so holding each other while the brother cries. Yeah, but he won't He won't say why he's crying or what he feels or anything. He just no. states the fact that he's crying for a long, long time. Yeah, it's such a matter. I started crying, and he can't <clears throat> just stop. Like, it's all, yeah. oh, it's getting in the way of my exit plan. <laughs> it's all very practical. And I guess now that I'm thinking about it, like, like, like kind of, I mean, if I may be, uh, yeah, boy, like boyish and like, uh, like, well, I, I was crying for a while, and it made it really hard to leave the apartment because I was yeah. crying. Uh, logistically, it was it was diff- it was a challenge. Yes, it was a burden for me to cry, <laughs> and it scared Phoebe. But it, I and I was gonna I stopped as soon as I could. Don't I didn't try to cry extra. Don't you worry. <laughs> Tears uh, were shed, Mister Antel. So yeah, eventually, the big mo- thing that we've been tracking the whole. Uh, then I took my hunting hat out of my coat pocket and gave it to her. She likes those kind of crazy hats. She didn't want to take it, but I made her. I'll, be, I'll bet she slept with it on. She really likes those kind of hats. What does that mean, those kind of hats? The hunting hat? Hunting hats. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Uh, then I told her again I'd give her a buzz if I got a chance, and then I left. So the, he gives her his individuality. He his, gives her the thing that's very special to him. His source of comfort, his source of identity, his source of sort of rebellion. of like His I, sense of self. Yeah. Absolutely. His rebellion, yeah, his rebellion, like, I am not you, I am Holden Caulfield, I have a hat. No, not only am I wearing a hunting hat in the middle of New York, I'm wearing it backwards. Like, yeah. it's like, I'm so different from everyone. Yes. And he sh- and he shares this hat with his sister. Yeah, the- you take it. You take me. Yeah, you take what is so important to me. My essence. Yes. And it's just like a very sweet moment of, like, uh, he still finds meaning in that relationship. Right, and he always has. Like it's always been like, well, there's Phoebe. It's like like he yeah. always, he's referred to Phoebe. At, yeah, the Phoebe is the heart and soul of the second half of the book. So yeah, it Period. it really is just like a beautiful portrait of a brother's love for a younger sister. Yeah, it's just just sweet, and it's redemptive. At the end, it's redemptive. Like you can find joy and meaning in just the love of your family, or even just the love of one person. And it doesn't have to be romantic. It could be. In fact, it isn't. He, he never gets what he wants out of Jane Gallagher. He never gets what he yeah. wants out of Sally Hayes. Yeah. It's his love for his sister that, that saves him. Bingo. Oh, uh, yeah. It was a hell of a lot easier getting out of the house than it was getting in for some reason. For one thing, I didn't give him much to any damn anymore if they caught me. I really didn't. 
I figured if they caught me, they caught me. I almost wish they did in a way. I almost wished they did. Of course he almost wished they did. Yeah, because the next <laughs> the next couple chapters are terrible. If he yeah. just got caught there, it would have been way worse, yeah. way better. It would have been way better for, for Holden for sure. <laughs> and then, yeah, you just had this beautiful moment with your sister. Why would you want to, like, all right, time to go into the cold Manhattan you again. Could just, yeah, just stay home, sleep. She offers. She's like, stay in the bed. You could leave in the morning. Just stay, yeah. And he, he, he has one more... D- Avoiding day to do. He yearns to be home, but he can't be home. Yes. I mean, it's like for his own internal reasons. It's yeah. not. It's not that big of an obstacle, but it's a mountain to him that yeah, he has yeah. to face his parents and say he failed again. Yeah, and but I, it's right there. It's 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 a, it's, a, it's a, such a good metaphor he set up here. Yeah, I didn't even realize it until we're talking about it right now. But like, it's such a good, or maybe it's a is it a semaphore? What's the no? I don't know. When it's like when the metaphor is like so right there, it's like your home. You are sneaking around you your are home. Physically home, but yeah. you're not allowed to be there. Right, right. You're yeah. You're in your physical home, but you're not in your uh, figurative home. You're yeah. literally home, but you're not figuratively home. Yes. Uh, I walked all the way downstairs instead of taking the elevator. I went down the back stairs and nearly broke my neck in about ten million garbage pails, but I got out of all right. The elevator boy didn't even see me. He probably still thinks I'm up at the Dickstein's. Love that shot at the elevator boy. (laughs) He has such animus for elevator boys. Every single one in this book, he's like, that old dummy. He's the oldest, dumbest guy. Oh, yeah, there's the old dumb one. There's the one Maurice. There's the brutal dumb one. Yeah, and And there's this one. The young dumb one. Who believed him when he said a legitimate thing that could be true. I'm my neighbor's nephew. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, I wouldn't. I don't just call everyone a liar when they ride the elevator, so of course. Yeah, like, it's one in the morning. Yeah, what this do guy's I care? Idiot. And yeah. then, like, the fact, that he, the fact that he thinks that the elevator boy is still thinking about him being up there, it's like, no, he just forgot. He doesn't think about you at all. Like, yeah. It's like, well, I wonder when he's going to come back, that nephew boy. You think there's anything to him almost tripping down the stairs of, like, his, like, escape was so difficult of, like, it almost killed him? <laughs> yeah, I think it's, uh, like, uh, I think it's about society. <laughs> <laughs> Or he's Jesus Christ, <laughs> and the garbage cans are the cross. And, uh, uh, <laughs> Terrence, can I can I talk to you after one? <laughs> uh, there's the bell. Gotta go. <laughs> Christ almost fell down on a bunch of garbage cans. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's chapter twenty three. Chapter twenty four. Mr. Antolini Antolini's. Oh boy, oh boy, what a rock and roll chapter. I mean, also just like from a craftsman perspective, what a way to really introduce a character and get to a climax of that character's arc in the book yeah. so fast. Yeah. And like he establishes such nuance with his character right away. It's only one chapter. It's like maybe 15 pages long, and we get a full complicated picture of this win. Yes, but also, I mean, like, I want to say that the seeds have been planted throughout the novel. Too. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, he's been mentioned along with the guy, uh, who James Castle, who killed himself. He's been mentioned almost every time James Castle is mentioned. I think Antolini is mentioned. Mm. Um, I think he gets one shout out. Like, I don't know. He's a D. He's like the he's DD in the, thing. The, the phone book of like his. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, but still, we don't. I mean, like. Uh, he is fully fleshed out in this chapter. Yeah, he becomes alive like from the get go. You it, get a full it, picture. It is it is remarkable writing then. His, and he his, plays uh, yeah. He plays an important role too. Like I think this chapter is really interesting about like uh, it's another like uh, climax in Holden's uh, character development. Like he, and he needs uh, to hear this stuff. Yeah, and it ends in perfect Salinger fashion in a very complicated 
like nuanced note of like what do we are we supposed to take out of this yeah <laughs> yeah so we will be mucking through that so even if he takes steps forward it still ends on a, like he makes another there's another misstep <laughs> yeah. yeah so he we, mr and mrs antolini had this very swanky apartment over on sutton place with two steps that you go down to get in the living room and a bar and all so alcohol is a huge part of this chapter yeah yeah, yeah, a, a bar and everything. Yeah, they have a bar in their apartment. They got a fancy. So we got a fancy couple. Uh, I believe it's later established. Mrs. Antolini has a ton of money. A, lot, a ton of dough. I think it's in, the, in this next paragraph. Even yeah, yeah it's, he's got a ton of dough. Um, their relationship is established right here in this first paragraph. So they play tennis together. He was he was the te- he was a teacher of Holden. Yeah. Um, because after I left Elkin Hills, Mr. Antolini came up to our house for dinner quite frequently to find out how I was getting along. Yeah. So this is a student that doesn't even go to your school anymore. You got kicked out of your school, and you're still going to uh, dinner with their parents. Yep. Like, hey, how you doing? I want to make sure you're okay. Yep. Maintaining a relationship. So uh, that's that's established. Yeah. So he has a relationship with them that it is not. A, it, they are friends. And He's a family friend, too. I mean, yeah. because of all the DB stuff. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, Mr. Uh, she was lousy with dough. She was about sixty years older than Mr. Antolini, but they seemed to get along quite well. And Mr. Antolini is like easily in his thirties, so she's probably ninety-five years old. Yeah, well, however, old, he's at he's around DB's age, so he's probably like, yeah, she's a million years old. <laughs> she's ten million years old, in Holden speak. Yeah, for one thing, they were both very intellectual, especially Mr. Antolini, except that he was more witty and intellectual when you were with him, sort of like DB. Yeah, there it is again. Yeah, so and Mr. Antolini, yeah, he, Mr. Antolini and his wife both read DB's stories, and he uh, called DB to ask him to not go to Hollywood. Yeah, he's like, you are a very talented writer. Yeah, don't go to Hollywood and sell out. Which is crazy. I mean, like, I think that's also uh, like a very, a very sixties mentality. Where it's like, no, no, uh, both, uh, both options are really viable. You could be a novelist or a screenwriter. Yeah, you could be a short story writer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> make your living in New York as a short story writer. <laughs> you know how magazine writing. Oh, I'm sorry. Can... I'm gonna turn the bitterness down in your mic. Sorry, Kev. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure they... <laughs> get the fil- filter out that. <laughs> No, no, don't go write successful movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, right. It's I mean, like I guess, but but yeah, it is like you could you know you could be Kurt Vonnegut. What are you doing? You could be like you know you could yeah. be do all these amazing writers who are doing. You could be Ray Bradbury. Like yeah. These guys who are making a career of it. Yeah, yeah. Of, of magazine short story writing. Right. Um, and it was seen as a more artistic and artistically pure. And Mr. Antolini is someone who cares about artistic purity. Yes, which, yes. Which Holden really admires. Right. So he is like yeah, he's like a DB who didn't sell out. Yes. Yeah. Like an intellectually pure DB. So he took, he took a cab down there. Mr. Antolini answers the door and he says, uh, Holden, my boy, my God, he's grown another 20 inches. Fine to see you. How are you? How is Mr. Antolini? We're both just dandy. I expect, expected to see you at, with a day-old infant in your arms. Nowhere to turn. Snowflakes in your eyelashes. He's a very witty guy sometimes. He turned around and yelled into the kitchen about the coffee. Um... <laughs> He's very witty. Mrs. Antolini is making I coffee. Think there's like a weird bubble. Goes, it's already shield back. Is that Holden? Hello, Holden. Hello, Mrs. Antolini. And then that that is just referenced later. But this paragraph, you were always yelling when you were there. That's because the both of them were never in the same room at the same time. It was sort of funny. It was sort of funny, period. Yeah, that's a heavy little paragraph. Yeah, the whole, the whole paragraph really builds like, oh, this is not a, a normal couple. Yeah. Mr. Antolini is not attracted to his wife or... 
yeah, it's all of that with a couple sentences. You sort of, you sort of, you're already getting a a, a very clear picture of what's happening. She's much older. Yeah. Uh, she they're never in the same room. She has a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's he's always he's always drinking a drink. Uh, yeah. He's a drunk. Yeah, he's a drunk who married a woman he's not attracted to. She has for a, her money. Yes. And they don't. They're not in the same room a lot. They're never in the same room. They're always yeah. yelling. Uh, let's see here. <clears throat> Sit down, hold him, Mr. Antolini said. You could tell he was a little oiled up. <laughs> the room looked like they just had a party. Glasses were all over the place and dishes with peanuts in them. And here's a classic one-liner from Mr. Antolini. <laughs> Excuse the appearance of the place, he said. We've been entertaining some buffalo friends at Mrs. Antolini's. Some buffaloes, as a matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> And Holden laughs like a rube. <laughs> and Such Mrs. a Santolini. Yeah. I mean, that's barely, that barely constitutes a joke, right? Yeah. I mean, like, it's just, oh, wouldn't it be weird if we had buffaloes in here? So this is just like a drunk guy being like, <laughs> my <laughs> wife and I, we had a dance of buffalo friends. They were buffaloes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you, sir. Okay, that'd be, that'd be very silly. I agree. Uh uh, there's like, like what you say, she didn't have to look at her when she comes in. She just arose from the sack. Have a cigarette. Are you smoking now? Are you smoking now? Which I think is kind of funny. Like, Hey, have a cigarette. You 16 year old boy. Everybody is. It's also yeah. such a, a, a moment of the time. Yeah. So you and Pensy are no longer one. He said, he always said things like that. Someone sometimes amused me a lot. And sometimes it didn't. He sort of did a, a little bit too much. Um, he was, I like how he's like, <laughs> he's always saying things like so you and Pensy are no longer one. DB does it. So, too much sometimes too. So they're both kind of witty. Yeah, it's this witty writer. T- it's <coughs> like a the the parody of like a New York intellectual. Right. He's overthinking the things he says. He's being a little performative intellectually. Yeah. He yeah. always is trying to be sharp. Uh, uh, and maybe at the risk of being disingenuous. Uh, yeah. 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 He. I think he definitely. Yeah, well, he's also it. hiding something. So I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So let's see. How'd you do in English? I'll show you the door in short order. If you flunked English, you little ace composition writer. He passed English. Oral, oral, oral expression was the problem. So that's what he flunked. So now we, we get into this sort of uh, meta monologue about the nature of uh, storytelling. Storytelling and so, like maybe focus of subjects. Rhetoric. I don't know. I mean, like, right. So through through talking about this class, Holden starts talking about what he cares about and what what interests him when someone's telling a story. And so he gets to kind of like self-critique his own writing. His yeah. Own so it's a debate of like stream of consciousness versus organized and focused writing. Yeah. Um, and what has its merits? And Holden obviously defends stream of consciousness. Yeah. <laughs> and Mr. Antolini represents organized and focused writing. So the problem is, if you digress in this class, someone can just yell digression, and then you get docked points for digressing. Which is like just a nightmare. I can't imagine that yeah. anybody can just decide. It's like an improvised speech, and you Screw have to you. like, yeah, that's like, that's that's a terrible assignment. Hey, come up here, make up a speech, and if your made up speech on the spot does not stay on subject, we all yell at you. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. So, um, Holden's point is uh, that digression business got on my nerves. I don't know. The trouble with me is I like it when someone digresses. It's more interesting and all. Which could be like the thesis of this book, basically. And like, the, like, think about how many times we did like a thing where it's like, okay, well, he starts talking about this. Uh, his dormitory is named for this guy, right? And then mm-hmm. and it, this all ends up being a story about a guy farting during the speech that, that guy gave. And then and he's like, so anyway, the dorm is named after this guy, you know. So 
There's, there's so many huge digressions in this book. And he paints a good portrait of this of this kid who makes a speech. Where he goes, for instance, he made this speech about this farm his father bought in Vermont. They kept yelling digression at him the whole time he was making it. And this teacher, Mr. Vincent, gave him an F on it. Because he didn't, hadn't told what kind of animals and vegetables and stuff grew up on the farm at all. What he did was, Richard Kinsella, he'd start telling you all about this, that, this, that stuff. Then all of a sudden he'd start telling you about this letter his mother got from his uncle. And how his uncle got polio and all when he was 42 years old. And how he wouldn't let anybody come to see him in the hospital. Because he didn't want anybody to see him with a brace on. It didn't have much to do with the farm, I admit it, but it was nice. It's nice when somebody tells you about their uncle, especially when they start out telling you about their father's farm and then all of a sudden get more interested in their uncle. I mean, it's dirty to keep yelling digression at him when he's all nice and excited. I don't know. It's hard to explain. So that one, it's like kind of a a middle finger to organized writing because the teacher's like, why didn't you write about vegetables and animals? And the kid is like telling this sad story about a sick uncle and a prideful man who wouldn't let his family see him. A prideful man ashamed of his own mortality. Yeah, and it's like, like isn't uh, that isn't that more compelling? Yes, I ask you. Uh, yeah, so it's like he's defending his style of literature. It's like, yeah, it's ostensibly about a prep school, but it's about a man who can't go home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, um, have you seen Atlanta at all? Yeah. Um, so like, uh, D- Donald Glover told them it's gonna be like about a about a guy in Atlanta like trying to make it as a rapper or whatever. But it's like not about that at all. It's like no. that's the backdrop. But then they end up doing all these weird like they do race stuff and then do like that weird like Michael Jackson episode, all these weird episodes. And he's like, yeah, no, I just basically lied to him. I just like just did whatever I wanted to. And you tell them it's about this. And yeah. It seems like it's about this, but he digresses. It's remind- reminded me of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Challenger. I could not let him over. It's like, all right, if you want to talk about your own farm, uh, make sure you mention the vegetables. Yeah. And then it's like this kid gives this like heartfelt speech, and it's like because it didn't follow these weird rules of writing, and like so he's anti-writing, he's anti sort of the the structure, and is trying to show it's outdated. Yeah. So uh, Antolini comes back at Holden, and uh, he admitted he is self-admittedly being uh, short, faintly stuffy, and pedagogical. Don't you think there's a time and place for everything? Don't you think if someone starts out to tell you about his father's farm, he should stick to his guns, then get around and telling you about his uncle's brace? Or if his uncle's brace is such a provocative subject, shouldn't he have selected it in the first place as his subject, not the farm? Uh, one thing I want to because I that sentence made me think of like I picture Mr. Antolini as like Adam Con- Conover from Adam Ruins Everything <laughs> of just him saying one short faintly stuffy pedagogical question <laughs> <laughs> if I may if I may but actually <laughs> right I mean bra- a, a, a story about a brace is all fine and good but if we were promised a story about a farm and we were given a story about a brace haven't we been lied to yeah yeah uh, and then he says I didn't feel much like thinking and answering so Here's a here's it's complicated because I think he doesn't feel like it, which always means that there's a lot of emotions. One, I don't think he's ready to argue about his whole worldview. Also, he's like he's like that he's having that feeling of like um, when you're you begin being hungover the same night. You know that like right because he's drunk. Yeah, right? no, he, that's the big thing. Is yeah, that he is actually extremely hungover. Yeah, like, <laughs> he's been drinking for six hours. Yeah, uh, he sobered up at his at his parents' place, and now it's like. One in the morning, maybe. Oh, it's the worst. And he is, yeah, he is so, so exhausted. You should have to be awake for your own hangover. It's yeah, that's yeah, the that's the problem. He's in nightmare mode physically. Yeah, but yeah, too. It's also he's now having to defend his worldview from someone who is more like, articulate than him. 
and that's just a bummer. Like it's that kind of thing. Or like you ever like argue politics with someone who has far more conservative views than you, and like you you like they have more facts. Yeah. And you're like you're just being a nerd about this, <laughs> but my sp- my heart is in the right place. Your heart's in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah, and it's like and like that is like yeah. So Holden is like unable to defend himself as well as he would be because he's not feeling well. Yeah, he doesn't know. He's not gonna win this argument because I mean this is a. New York University professor yeah. arguing with him about how to write, uh, and it's it's that very nature of like uh, my thinking is my worldview I know is not perfect. I like it though, and yeah. I can't defend it like punch for punch against you. And so I kind of would rather not talk about it. But really, yeah, Holden gets down to like, well, it's just it doesn't like you. you first of all, you don't know what's going to be the best, most interesting thing until you start talking about it. Yeah. Um. Uh. What you should be, you should leave someone alone if he's at least being interesting and he's getting all excited about something. I like it when somebody gets gets excited about something. I it's nice, it's nice. That's all he that's, says. That's it. That's his argument. It's yeah. nice when someone's excited about something, and that's a fair point too. Where like you don't know what you want to talk about until you start talking about something else. Yeah, which is also the theme of this book too. Of like, oh, I, I was, I went to dinner with Stradladder, and then I remember when I played checkers with exactly, exactly. Um, and then he complains about his teacher trying to get him to unify and simplify things. Yes. Right. And we had, what, what was your take about that? God. That this whole book is anti that. This whole book is a seemingly random collection of details that together is supposed to t- taken together as like a p- beautiful portrait of a complicated young man. Because they're details that Holden notices because like they reveal what he's interested in and what he's excited about. And so that's, they're, they're, they're much more revealing than if he kept on, yeah, task. if he if he streamlined this plot yes. to be like, I went here, I went here, I went here. But what it was is like we got to hear every one of his thoughts, like thoughts about tedious things, thoughts about big things, thoughts about just like what's happening in front of him, thoughts about things that happened 20 years ago. Right, if you really want to hear about it, the first thing you probably want to know is where I was born and where my lousy childhood was like and how my parents were occupied and all that before they had me and all that David Copperfield kind of crap. But I don't want, I don't feel like going into it. Yeah, right there, I Total rejection of standard literature. Yeah, that was the first sentence of the book, right? So he's like, if you want to have the standard thing, you're not going to have that. I'll yeah. tell you this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to give you the Charles Dickens, like, uh, there was a boy, and yeah. then he went to this. It was like, I'm going to give you everything in my heart that's interesting me to me at the moment, and it'll never be as coherent and, and sort of moving forward as you want it to be, but I'll never be bored with what I'm saying. But what a bow! What a bow! Yeah, what a bow on on the style of this novel that he's holding himself is able to uh, defend the style of the novel. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I mean, I think when he did, took that line directly from uh, the what was it? Oh, uh, Huckle, Huckleberry Finn. I felt so lone, lonesome. I wish I was dead. Wish he's I like, I'm writing like Mark Twain did, where it's like stream of consciousness, characters, everything. I don't want your standard, like New York New Yorker style, like simple, clarified sentences. Yeah. So we get some coffee from Mrs. Antolini. Nothing really happens there besides that they, they kiss each other and it's awkward, right? Um, oh yeah, right. Right what before else on, the, on the page before at the first uh, like long monologue about the father's farm. Uh, I wish to God old Mrs. Antolini would come in with the coffee. That's something that annoys the hell on me. I mean, if somebody says the coffee's already in <laughs> it, is like it's like a little snotty moment. I'm like, he is still like a snotty teenager. What's that he, goddamn coffee. Yeah. yeah. 
where's my coffee? The person I woke up at 1.30 <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> and don't drink coffee right now. What are you, crazy? Yeah. It's so, like, I've been about to fall asleep. I demand coffee from an old woman. <laughs> and she's ugly? She's not wearing makeup? She looks yeah. old as hell. So he gets the coffee. I like, um, he, uh, Antolini makes himself a strong highball and he goes, uh, he may get to be an alcoholic if he doesn't watch his step. <laughs> <laughs> He's already an alcoholic. <laughs> Hold it, buddy. The man making, made himself another highball. <laughs> the party's over and he's just talking to his 16 year old. <laughs> uh, there is a nice little a moment that kind of makes me laugh because it's such like an old married couple thing. Uh, and when he goes, hello, Mrs. Antolini, I said, I started to get up and all, but Mr. Antolini got hold of my jacket and pulled me back down. Like, hey, man, don't. Oh, wow. It's just like a little cute thing of like, hey, she really doesn't want you to look at her. Just don't. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it's such a it's such a tender detail that, I mean, that's what this book is filled with, is these like little tender details of like, oh, this is a, like, Salinger's not putting like a, a, a cardboard married couple. It's no. like, hey, like, he has to like, Tell like when she says she doesn't want you to look at her, like she means it, stuff yeah. like that. Like these little breaks from politeness. So small too, yes, yeah, so small. Good, good, good eye. And then he says a very rude thing. He goes, "Old Mrs. Antolini's hair was full of those iron curler jobs, and she didn't have any lipstick or anything on. She didn't look too gorgeous. She looked pretty old, and <laughs> which is such a like. Why would you? That's not important. <laughs> old, no. Um. Then what's interesting? Another part of our Mr. Antolini's uh, sexuality mystery. Uh, well, well, first, uh, she goes, how's your mother holding? She's fine. Thanks. I haven't seen her too recently, but the last I like, you literally just saw her. <laughs> right. Uh, let's see. Can you boys make up the couch by yourselves? We'll take care of everything. You were on, run along to bed. Mr. Antolini said he gave Mrs. Antolini a kiss and she said goodbye to me and went in the bedroom. They were always kissing each other a lot in public. In public? In public, never in the same room in private. Bingo. Oh, like, so they're really trying to put it on that they're a lovely married exactly. couple. Exactly. She's a beard. I mean, right? She's a, she's a, she's covering up something about him. Yes. And I, she's, and in turn, she gets a nice companion. She, yes. He does seem to be a caring companion. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Yeah, he, yeah, he make it be it to be an alcoholic. If he doesn't watch his step, look out. So I had lunch with your dad. Is this next thing he says, which is interesting. Yeah, we we were talking about we never we don't hear much about it. We kind of assumed that uh, Mr. Caulfield was a bit of an aloof uh, father. Yeah, an absent father. He's not going to be at Phoebe's play. Right. He he's a lawyer. He yeah he's a lawyer. He's very private. He's always gone. They literally went to this big party yeah. like in Connecticut. Um. Like, daddy's going to kill you. He's just getting like, so it's like, oh, dad, yep. was, he's, the, he's the mean, aloof dad. And here he is at lunch with Mr. Andalini being like, what's wrong with Holden? I, I'm so sc- yeah, worried about my son. Yeah, he reached out. So there's that. So, Good yeah, job. it's like maybe Holden's portrait of his own father is not as, I mean, um, who's what teenage boy's portrait of his father is is accurate. Exactly. <laughs> sure. It's full of complexity. Exactly. So, yeah. You're aware, of course, that he's terribly concerned about you. Apparently, before you phoned me, he just had a long, rather harrowing letter from your latest headmaster to the effect that you were making absolutely no effort at all, cutting classes, coming unprepared to all your classes, in general, being an all-around... I wonder what he was going to say there. Jamoke. <laughs> Real dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't cut any classes. You weren't allowed to cut any. There were a couple of them I didn't attend once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Which is such a teenager thing. That's funny. That's a I, didn't cut any, I didn't show up to some of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't cut any. What, is, yeah, what, is the, what does that distinction mean to Holden even? Is that, is, that, is that a distinction at all? 
I think he seen, sees cutting classes as like I will won't show up to a single class all semester. Okay. Um. So right. You weren't allowed to cut any. Like being allowed to do that is like important to him. Like he literally has never followed any of the rules. Like he was smoking in the dorm the last night. Like I hate school. I hate his rules. Right. Right. I didn't feel at all like discussing it. There it is. Uh, here's another person. Like he had the conversation with Phoebe, and it was all about the emotions. And then he's having the conversation with Mr. Antolini, and it's all about the thoughts of why he he didn't. Because now he has to argue intellectually with an adult. About yes. The decision, and he's had teachers be like, "Hey, boy, what? Why were you? Why didn't you try hard?" And he's just got to be like. I'm sorry, like, I, you tried so hard, you're a good teacher, I'm just a bad... Like, yeah, you got to be fake. To him. Right. And now here's someone he trusts, he respects, and they're being like, right now, tell me what's going on. And, like, he can't lie. And so now he's like, oh, I got to go to bed. And to be fair, he is very tired. He wants to avoid the conversation entirely. He wants... Yeah, but uh, but then, okay, so, yeah, we have we have, we have we have two huge things to cover before the end of this chapter. Like, the Mr. Antolini's call out of Holden. Yes. Of, like, what's going to happen to you if you keep being this way mm. um, is the next thing. So, um, uh, <clears throat> yes. And there's a very sad line <coughs> where Mr. Antolini lit another cigarette. He smoked like a fiend. Then he said, frankly, I don't know what the hell to say to you, Holden. And that is such a, <laughs> a sad line. I know. I'm very hard to talk to. I realize that. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, funny. And then we we were talking about this line because it's it's kind of I have a feeling that you're writing for some kind of terrible terrible fall, but I don't honestly know what kind. Are you listening to me? He keeps saying, "Are you listening to me?" a lot, which is what people do when they're telling you about yourself. Yeah. Yes. Right. Uh, but also, I think Holden's probably like noticeably like starting to like his head's like. Oh, true. Shit. Yeah, probably. So here's what he says about Holden. It may be the kind where at the age of thirty you sit in some bar hating everybody who comes in, looking as if they he might have played football in college. Then again, you may pick up just enough education to hate people who say, it's a secret between he and I. Or you may up wait, what is that? It's him and I. Him and I. Because it's not an object. I have a master's degree. Or you may end up in some business office throwing paper clips at the nearest stenographer. I just don't know. But do you know what I'm driving at and all? Yes, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I did too. So he's like, yeah, I get it. I, I'm going to be some jerk. Some ter- like boring waste of life yeah. jerk. Although, what's wrong with throwing paper clips at the nearest synopsis? <laughs> sounds fun. Um, but then Holden's point is kind of—I think—I it, think it's—I think it's well made. Um, you're wrong about me hating football players and all. You really are. I don't hate too many guys. What I, what I may do, I may hate them for a little while, like this guy Stradlater I knew at Pensy, and this other boy Robert Ackley. I hated them once in a while. I, I admit it, but it doesn't last too long. Is what I mean. After a while, if I didn't see them, if they didn't come into the room. Or if I didn't see them in the dining room for a couple of meals, I sort of missed them. I mean, I sort of missed them. And we saw that in the narration. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he literally, last thing, interaction with Stradlatter is that he hit him so hard in the nose, <laughs> there was blood everywhere. Yeah. But also, I mean, like, but like, think about the Ackley, all the Ackley stuff where he's like, what a gross, unpleasant man. <laughs> I better go hang out with him for an hour. I'm kind of sad. He yeah. goes and hang out, hangs out like, uh, and uh, he brought Ackley along to the burger in the movie and, uh, or he wanted to invite him or something. He did. He, he, he went, went along. They yeah. went. Yeah. So like he's, he is friends with uh, Stradlatter and Ackley, even though he does hate them. So. What Holden is saying is like, I know I have the capacity to be that kind of hater, but I also see the good in these people. I miss yeah, them. Yeah, it gone. passes. My hatred for people passes. It's not a yes. all-consuming thing. And I think that was in the narration too, which is kind of cool. Uh, 
he got a, he got up and got another hunk of ice and put it in his drink. Then he sat down again. So Mr. Angelini is really drinking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I kept wishing, though, that he'd continue the conversation in the morning instead of now, but he was hot. And what's kind of funny is that, like, he finally got his intellectual conversation. He went to lose. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, talk to me. Be intellectual. I'm in a real <laughs> bad place. And then now he's Mr. Andalini, who is revved up. He yeah. wants to talk all night yeah. about Holden's problems. And Holden's like, I just want to go to bed. <laughs> okay. And this is the this is even more interesting to me. And it's kind of, uh, it's, I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't know what to make of it. All right, listen to me a minute now. I may not word this as memorably as I'd like to, but I'll write you a letter about it in a day or two. Then you can get it all straight. But listen to me now anyway. This fall, I think you're writing for. It's a special kind of fall, a horrible kind. The man falling isn't permitted to feel or hear himself hit bottom. He just keeps falling and falling. The whole arrangement's designed for men who, at some time or other in their lives, were looking for something their own environment couldn't simply supply them with. Or they thought their own environment couldn't supply them with. Now, whoops. So they give up looking. They gave it up before they ever really even got started. You follow me? So he's saying that uh, these pe- these men fall and they don't even know they've fallen because they are looking for something and they never get it. So it, it sounds so we're confused about one verb which is the systems arranged which the system it, sorry the, the the whole arrangements designed for arrangements men who at some time or other in their lives were looking for something their own environment couldn't supply them with so i how i how i see this is holden you're a type you're, there's been men like you before yes. there'll be men like you again yes you want something out of your environment that you're not getting and that's true throughout the whole book he wants something out of prep school that is not getting Yep. He wants something out of his family he's not getting. He wants something out of his relationship with his brother DB he's not getting. And he wants something out of just New York that he's not getting. Every part of it, he's not getting what he needs. And that's clear throughout the whole book. And what and Mr. Antolini is saying is that if you you become obsessed that you're not getting with it and you give up, which he, he fears Holden is about to give up. Yeah. And he's like, if you give up, you're going to fall and you're going to keep falling and you're not going to even know you're falling and one day it'll be over. Yeah, you're never gonna. Yeah, you won't even you won't even know you're becoming this person until it's too late. Yes, it's if you give up this fight already at 16, like you will be falling for the rest of your life. It's so vague, though. Yes, and he to he does say to be clear, I'm or to be I might not put this as memorably right. Um, because he is also drunk, and that's also a cover for Salinger to be like. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I was about to say this is Salinger covering for he. You can't you can't put his finger on it, Salinger. But I understand it's like listen, Holden. If you if if you just keep th- focusing on on what is lacking in everything around you, then you are going to uh, ev- then you're going to find everything lacking, and everything will be lacking. You'll never find anything, and you'll never know that you've you're too far gone until you're gone. Yes, and it's also kind of interesting. It contradicts where Antolini was like you got to be an organized thinker. And here he is. He starts his organized <laughs> thought, and we're like, what the hell are you talking about? It's like it's it's so unfocused and so vague, but you do get it. It's the kind of thing that someone says to you drunk at one of the morning. I, I think as it goes on, it starts to make a little bit more sense, and he goes, well, he goes, I don't want to scare you, but I can very clearly see you dying nobly one way or another for some highly unworthy cause. <laughs> he gave me a funny look. If I write something down for you, will you read it carefully and keep it? So there, there is kind of like the thesis of like you're gonna try and die, you're gonna try and be a martyr for something stupid, and maybe that's what I think trying to set up like Holden thinking nicely about 
Like the kid died, and he it didn't take back his words. Yeah, but that's not a thing to die for. Like <laughs> exactly. Okay, right. No, now I'm on this. Now I now I, okay that I get behind entirely. It's like like, like that was a dumb way to die. Sorry, yes. James, but that was a dumb way to die. Yeah, it was principled, but they were the wrong principle. You're not supposed to die for just the principle of no. being honest about your criticism. It's just the, tragic. It's yeah. just it's old to me. It's only tragic and not heroic. And I think Holden, it's like a. He's like a foil, I guess. He's like, it's like, see, okay, yeah, yeah. James Castle, he's he's like, he's like a, he's wearing Holden's sweater. It's like this is where Holden is. Yes, yes, Holden. Do you want to? Yeah, does that you're going to be James Castle? He's literally a guy. Exactly. So the the quote he's referencing is the mark of the immature man is that he wants to die nobly for a cause, while the mark of of the mature man is that he wants to live humbly for one. Yes, and that's that's like. How big? That's a, that's the thesis of the whole book of like what so. it takes to grow. Where what Antolini is accurately calling out is like Holden, you're looking for a reason to die. Yeah, you I should see be looking it now. For a reason to live. Yes, you should be looking for a reason to live. Right. Holden doesn't know what he's going to live for. What no. is that? What are you going to What are you going to care about? He's been putting all of his energy into formulating the perfect complaint worthy of dying over. Yeah. It's like, all right, <laughs> I I've checked off all the boxes where romance is bad, school is bad, family is bad. Uh, New York is bad. There's nowhere to go. So I've I have look at my paper about why I should die. Goodbye. Yeah. And he's like, that's the worst way to do your energy, where you should be trying to be like, all right, I've got to find the reason for guys like me to live. And what he goes he goes on. Uh, let me see where is it. Let's see, uh, boy, I felt well. One boy, I felt so damn tired all of a sudden. Yeah. Or it is you're being uh, like lectured at a very deep level, and it's hard to hear some of this stuff. Uh, let's see here. You can you could tell he wasn't tired at all, though. He was pretty oiled up for one thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is, I think that one of these days you're gonna have to find out where you want to go, and then you're gonna you've got to start going there. But immediately, you can't afford to lose a minute. Not you. And I hate to tell you. But I think that once you have a fair idea where you want to go, your first move should be to apply yourself in school. You'll have to. You're a student, whether you, the idea appeals to you or not. You're in love with knowledge. Uh, so he wants to get him to like a, be an educated man. That's yes. his, which but, is like, of course he does. Yeah, You're the an professor at NYU. Yeah, of course you yeah, do. Yeah, it is a little self-interested of advice. Exactly. Um, but he makes a pretty good argument for education in this next giant paragraph. Is that yeah. what you're looking at? Yeah. Right. Among other things, you'll find that you're not the first person who was who was ever confused and frightened and even sickened by human behavior. You're by no means alone in that score. You'll be excited and stimulated to know. Many, many men have been just as troubled morally and spiritually as you are right now. Happily, some of them kept records of their troubles. You'll learn from them if you want to. Just as someday if you have something to offer, someone will learn something from you. That's a beautiful reciprocal arrangement. And it is an education. It's history. It's poetry. Which is a beautiful sentiment. Yeah. Where he's like, there are places for you. Like, troubled men have found ways to express their troubles and help other troubled men. Like, that's a whole industry. It's just troubled men helping each other. Yeah. And it's called stand-up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> troubled people. Troubled people. Troubled people. Uh, let's uh, see here. Boy, was he really hot. I was glad I didn't try to stop him or anything. I like how every he's making all these great points and then holding it's like, this guy was wasted. Wasted. <laughs> I wanted to go to bed. <laughs> Um, I'm not trying to tell you that only educated and scholarly men are able to contribute something valuable to the world. It's not. So, 
But I do say that educated and scholarly men, if they're brilliant and creative to begin with, which unfortunately is rarely the case, tend to leave infinitely more valuable records behind them than men who are merely brilliant and creative. They tend to express themselves more clearly than they usually have a passion for following their thoughts through to the end. And most important, important nine times out of ten, they have more humility than the unscholarly thinker. Do you follow me at all? So that's a good that's a that's a good that's just a good point for being scholarly as opposed to being like uh, school is dumb. I'm I'm smarter than those people anyway. Mm. It's like do it if you do it and you and you're one of the good ones. Yeah, you'll add a depth to your thinking that will be valuable for uh, people who need your help later on. Right, and I think he's also making the point where it's like people like you tend not to be scholars, and that is why scholars aren't that great. Yes. You know? um, Something else an academic education will do for you, if you go along with it any considerable distance, it'll begin to give you the idea what size mind you have, what it'll fit, and maybe what it won't. After a while, you'll have an idea what kind of thoughts your particular size mind should be wearing. For one thing, it may save you an extraordinary amount of time trying on ideas that don't suit you, aren't becoming to you. You'll begin to know your true measurements and dress your mind accordingly. <laughs> That's very interesting. And I started to think about, like, whoa, how smart am I? I mean, like, have I... Have oh, I? Yeah, absolutely. I still think about that where it's yeah. like, what size mind do I have? Yeah. Like, And the, it is kind of thing where it's like... Where it's like there's, there's a lot of great writers and some are... Some should and be writing about ba- baseball and some should be writing about like right. socialist movement. It's like, right. But not like if you're disingenuous that we're like, if there's a socialist writer who should be writing about baseball and a baseball writer who should be writing about like politics, like it feels wrong. But you can feel it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's that, that kind of self-awareness is difficult uh, in yes. your late twenties. So I think that like, uh, what he's pointing out is is something that's like, like high level self realization. Yes, that's a level of actualization that is like a Nirvana moment. <laughs> sure, and like, <laughs> yeah, it rocks. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rock and roll. No one size mind. And um, yeah, it's then so funny. Then all of a sudden, I yawned. <laughs> what a rude bastard! But I couldn't help it. So, so he gets his like final point. That's like yeah. Look, this is what you have to do to be... I know who you are. You're a discontent young man. That's fine. You should be discontent. Society is terrible. But there are ways to productively use your anger Yeah. to lead a good life. And if you go through school, your discontent can be better expressed. You'll be more humble about your antagonism. And people will be able to understand it better. Uh, and then... Make sure that you understand what you should be railing against. You can't rail against everything. You got to pick what's the best thing for you to rail against. And then he goes, and then he just yawns in his face. <laughs> <laughs> I think I I saw this as like, okay, Salinger is clearly clearly like possessing Mr. Antolini right now. It's yeah. like I'm gonna go ahead and say all the things I've been wanting to say about Holden um, through Antolini, and it's kind of cool that he included Holden <laughs> being tired and bored of the conversation, like yeah. in terms of like. If you're going to be so meta and be like, hey, Holden, the character that I wrote, here's the problem with you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, it's it's so, like, laid out in, in an intellectual way and from, you know, in in stepwise way. Yeah. Uh, what's in, what's in, I don't think Salinger went to college or at least finished college. Oh, man, that would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? Yes. And, well, because what's interesting later is that, well, well, right now, like, Antolini is an alcoholic who is in a uh, bad marriage. 
or just a disingenuine marriage. So he's not a perfect like he hasn't figured out life. He is a right. very thoughtful guy. Uh, but this advice is coming from someone who is not like all like he he is not standing on firm ground. He has a good job. He lives in New York. He has a lot of money, but it's the kind of thing where it's like, like this this advice. I don't think it's supposed to be one hundred percent like this is the exact right thing. I think it's supposed to be a compelling perspective, but I don't think it's supposed to be like oh, there's no flaws with this thought. Right. Uh, let's see here. How's all your women? Yeah. Uh, well, right? he, he finishes another highball glass. So. <laughs> So he drank it and then put the glass down on the floor and then he took this stuff down. I, I helped him bring it over the couch. We both made it together. He wasn't too hot at it. He didn't tuck anything in very tight. I didn't care though. I could have slept standing up. It's too tight. So yeah. Then here's a very brief, how are all your women? <laughs> yeah. Um, which we, th- I, the, we something, we're, I'm not sure, I think maybe related to what's coming. They're okay. I was being a lot of the conversations. I didn't feel like it. How was Sally? He knew old Sally Hayes. I introduced him once. She's all right. I had a date with her this afternoon. <laughs> That's crazy. Yes. Yeah. And even in August, like, boy, it seemed like 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it's been a long time since that particular date. Hell of a pretty girl, he says. Well, what about the other girl, the one you told me about in Maine? Oh, Jane Gallagher. So Jane Gallagher is now an O. Like, oh, yeah, Jane Gallagher. She's all right, he says. I'm probably going to give her a buzz tomorrow. Which is what he's always going to do. <laughs> about to give old Jane a buzz. He's perpetually about to call Jane Gallagher. This should be this movie this book should be called Calling Jane Gallagher. <laughs> Saving Silverman. <laughs> Calling Jane Gallagher. Uh let's see here. We're all done making up the couch then. We were all done making up the couch then. It's all yours, Mr. Angelina said. I don't know what the hell you're going to do with those legs of yours. That's all right. I'm used to short beds. You thanks a lot you and Mrs. Antolini really saved my life tonight. Saved him from a yelling. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I almost had to talk to my parents for real. So thanks for <laughs> saving thanks my for life. Thanks for saving me from talking to my parents. Yeah. I'll be in the kitchen for a while. Will the light bother you? No. Heck no. Thanks a lot. Go to bed, Antolini. Yeah. <laughs> You're Come on. old drunk, man. What are you doing up? All right. Good night, handsome. Good night, sir. Thanks a lot. Good night, handsome. Okay, so well, yeah, well, let's, you know, let's 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 you know, this is going to be a we're, there's going to be some uh, slight weirdness in the next page here. So this is all leading up to that. So the women thing and the handsome thing are two clues we have so far. Uh, yeah, I laid awake for just a couple seconds thinking about all that stuff. Mister Angelina told me about finding out the size of your mind and all. He was a really smart, pretty smart guy, but I couldn't keep my goddamn eyes open and fell asleep. And a quick note: we I looked it up. He did go to school. <laughs> Salinger didn't go to college. You know, he sounds like the kind of bitter guy who didn't go. I bet. Did he not? What, what did he go to? Like a good school? Yeah, he went to Columbia University. Columbia. Yeah. Okay. It's Fitzgerald never finished college. The yeah. Ivy. The, uh, the uh, it's it's almost like an Ivy League school. Columbia. <laughs> 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 Suck it, Cornell. Eat it, chumps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe he is like because. Salinger is a discontent guy, and he's like, you know what? I went to school, though, and I was able to express my discontent nature in a more compelling way. Yeah. And he did. I mean, he wrote a best-selling novel about being he did, mad. He did pretty well. Yeah. Um, then something happened, period. I don't even like to talk about it. Talk italicized. Paragraph by itself. So that's basically like a dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. So this is a big deal. I mean, I don't, I, this is it doesn't matter what you think about what this what happens next. It's a big deal to Holden. He doesn't like to talk about it. Yes, it is a very uncomfortable moment for him. 
Uh, and we will, I like just re- like knowing this was coming, but I was like nervous. I was like, yeah, oh, I, know. I hate this part because Mr. Angelini comes across so cool and so kind yeah. right up to this moment. Yeah. And turns out he's a phony. You <laughs> 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 were here. What were we going to say? Flit? I was going to say weirdo. Oh. <laughs> but I was like, where are you going? <laughs> I thought we were 100% on the same page. Uh, that's hilarious. Uh no, I went. Yeah, I woke up all of a sudden. I don't know what time it was or anything, but I woke up. I felt something on my head, some guy's hand. Boy, it really scared hell out of me. What it was? It was Mr. Antolini's hand. What he was doing was he was sitting on the floor right next to me to the couch, in the dark and all, and he was sort of petting me or patting me on the goddamn head. Boy, I'll bet I jumped about a thousand feet. <laughs> What the hell you doing? Nothing. I'm simply sitting here admiring. What are you doing anyway? I didn't know what to say. I was. I mean, I was embarrassed as hell. How about keeping your voice? Uh, yeah. So here it is. We're, like he's. Yeah. That's all that happened. That's all that happened. He wakes up, and Mr. Antolini is in the dark, petting him, on the head, putting his hand on his head, and that's sort of petting me or patting me in the goddamn head. And that's what we because. A pet or a pet? Yeah, know. it's 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 we because we've been arguing because it's such a weird, like faux innocent gesture. Well, let's let's let's, let's continue the interaction and then we'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, how about keeping your voice on? I'm simply sitting here. He gets cut cut off. I have I, to go yeah. anyway. <laughs> Holden says, "Boy, was I nervous. I started pulling my damn pants in the dark. I could hardly get them on. I was so damn nervous. I know more damn perverts at schools and all." than anybody you ever met, and they're always being perverty when I'm around. So right there, period, Holden believes Mr. Antolini to be a pervert, and he was doing a perverty thing with the, with the head pet, period. Yes, that's what Holden believes. And he's writing this in, in the past. So this is a thing he's had time to think about, yeah. and he still believes. Objectively. You have to go where, Mr. Antolini says. He was trying to act very goddamn casual and cool and all, but he wasn't any too goddamn cool. Take my word. So Antolini is also nervous. Piece of evidence number two. Yes. Uh, I left my bags and all at the station. I think maybe I'd better go down and get them. I have all my stuff in them. So that's like a bad excuse. He's like, I have my bags in a locker. What if someone breaks it? Like, So he's just, I got to get out of here. And Mr. Antolini is like, they'll be there in the morning. Now go back to bed. I'm going to bed myself. What's the matter with you? I'm going to bed too, he says, which is like, I'm trying to make you, I'm going to bed. I'm calming down. I'm going, what's the matter with you? You're being weird. Like You're being the weird one right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's classic, like, guy caught doing something weird. But Holden won't say, I'm doing it because you were touching my head. He won't yeah. call him out for that. He doesn't say that. Yes. Nothing's the matter. It's just that all my money and stuff's in one of my bags. I'll be right back. I'll get a cab, I'll be right, and I'll be right back. Boy, was I falling all over myself in the dark. The thing is, it isn't mine. The money. It's my mother's, and I... Don't be ridiculous, Holden. Get back in that bed. I'm going to I'm going to bed myself. The money will be there safe and sound in the morning. No, no kidding. I, I, I got to get going. I really do. I was damn near dressed already, except that I couldn't find my tie. I couldn't remember where I put my tie. I put on my jacket and all without it. Old Mr. Angelini was sitting now in a big chair a little ways away from me watching me. It was dark and all, and I couldn't see him so hot, but I knew he was watching me all right. He was still boozing, too. I could see his trusty highball glass in his hand. So he's still drinking. <laughs> yeah, he's still drinking, too. Jeez. And then he says, you're a very, very strange boy. <laughs> Which could be the title of this book. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I know it, I said. I didn't even look around much for my tie, so I went without it. Goodbye, sir. Thanks a lot. No kidding. And then he kept walking right behind me when I went to the front door, and when I rang the elevator bell, he stayed in the damn doorway. 
All he said was the business about me my being a very, very strange boy again. He <laughs> says it again. You're a very, very strange boy. Strange my ass. <laughs> <laughs> then he waited in the doorway and all till the goddamn elevator came. Never waited so long for an elevator in my whole goddamn life. I swear. I didn't know what the hell to talk about while I was waiting for the <laughs> elevator and he kept standing there. So I said, I'm going to start reading some good books. I really am. I mean, he had to say something. It was very embarrassing. You grab your bags and scoop right back on here again. I'll leave the door unlatched. Thanks a lot. I said, goodbye. <laughs> the elevator was finally there. I got in and went down. Boy, I was shaking like a madman. I was sweating, too. When something perverty like that happens, I start sweating like a bastard. That kind of stuff's happened to me about 20 times since I was a kid. I can't stand it. So he mentions that twice, I guess. Is that This has happened to him a lot. It's weird. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of like, oh, so you're constantly going through mild trauma. Yeah, I guess. Right. So like, yeah, he's like, uh, he seems to be like kind of a, so I mean like, right. So Antonio was doing something sexual ish. Yeah. Right? He was, he crossed a line. I, I, cause I think what's so genius about this is that we're, you're not sure what the intentions are. Cause it's yes. very weird. Yes. It's so subtly weird that, I mean, it's, it's sexual in nature. It's not, though. Yes. But it is. Because he is such an older brother or father figure. Yeah. It, it, it could be head. seen on like a father. Like, because he's not touching any. He's sure. not touching any private parts. He's not. That's <laughs> a gentle way to say it. Yes, it was. Um, he's not even like. Stare, he's staring at his head. He's not Sex staring. is not involved in any um, literal way or any practical way. It's not. It has yes. this 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 on paper has nothing to do with sex. So like, what's f- messed up is that Antolini has plausible deniability. Like nothing, I didn't do anything. Yes, and uh, even if Holden told somebody, it would sound crazy. You're like, oh, your teacher touched your head while you were sleeping. Like, well, your walls, it? like your teacher. Now this is like a family friend you went to for help, and like, yes. yeah, he touched you. He patted you on. So you're saying he patted you on the head? Oh, dude, do you want him to not give you a hug either? Yeah. Like, it's, no. Yeah. Right. So like. So I think that's what I mean. I think that I think it's like, you know, maybe it's geniusly crafted that is it's like so, it's so subtle that it's not, it's hard to. Yeah, it, there's no no one could look you and say this is exactly what happened yes. with this evidence, and there's no way to contradict it. It's a gray area, right? It's like, like it. So it's pretty hinted that he is not, his marriage is not a real one. Yes. So at least we have that. Now, does that mean that he has an? So he's been drinking a lot. So his in- inhibitions are down. So this does this moment mean he's attracted to men, or he's attracted to teenagers? That that I'm not because I I like this character so much. I think he, he seems like, I mean, he you made to like him. he carries the dead yeah, boy to right? the infirmary. Yeah, of course. He gives such a thoughtful speech. He seems to genuinely care about Holden, uh, and like. But then also, on the other hand, of like, because all this is speculative. Cause there's yep. What's the most important thing is that Holden feels like this was crossing a line, and it shakes him up. Yeah. And just storytelling-wise, like, you're lulled into almost a sense of security of like, oh, finally, he got the speech he needed. He's going to wake up in the morning. He's going to, you know what? I thought about what you said. I'm going to go home. I'm going to talk to my parents. And like, tiny, neat little bow. Yeah. Teacher saves the day with yeah. a beautiful speech. And that's not what happens. He's like... He literally is thinking about the speech and he's like that was like he really had some. Oh good yeah, points. the size of his mind and all. Right, of course. And then I like, go to sleep and then right away speech out the window. He's robbed of that of that all that information now. Yes. He's robbed of all of that. He's robbed of that being any kind of actually impactful. Yeah. 
Yes. Um, because of this weird little thing. Yes. Um, cause yeah, cause like it's hard to say like, oh, he was gonna try and like molest him, yeah, or or even like try and seduce seduce him. him. Yeah, I mean like, yeah. Cause I mean, and it, and even this is like tricky waters, but like he is almost seventeen, and this is like the fifties. It wouldn't be seen as like, as like a straight up like. Like pedophile situation, but this, that, that, that these are the waters we don't need to get into. Yes. I think. What does it mean for the? I mean, like, um, it's complicated and and makes Holden feel weird and Mr. Antolini feel weird both. Yeah, that's what's important. Both of them are like, this was a weird moment. I and Mr. Antolini is like trying to be cool and casual, but even he's like, man, I I I messed up. I went too yeah. far. Holden and Holden feels like betrayed and violated. I yes. think. I think it's fair to say. I think it's fair to say violated by the way he's acting, and he feels all nervous yes. and stuff like that. And he compares it to the stuff that's happened to him before. This yeah. stuff has happened to me twenty yeah. times. Perverts keep doing this. Perverts. Time. Yeah, this he falls feels under the pervert category for Holden. Yes. So, okay, in terms of uh, in terms of plot, in terms of uh, theme, what does this mean that the person who has delivered this perfect climax of what Holden Caulfield is, what he needs to do, what he's what he's afraid of being, what does it mean that this person is the person who betrayed Holden by being perverted <laughs> part of me things like this is him saying you have to chase ideas because humans will let you down like i want to be like mr antolini antolini is flawed in ways that hurt hold it yeah like like oh i wish i was like him. he's really great oh he's not so great but like the whole thing about ideas—you got to find the right ideas for you. Like that's where it is. Like, like the idea ideas, not people. I guess, right? Is that the yeah? That's one one way I could look at this. Two, I think, just like uh, plot-wise, like he can never feel safe because he was about to feel safe. Yeah. And now his moment of most vulnerability—he literally let he listened to a speech about what's wrong with him, and then. He goes, all right, I'm going to sleep on a couch yep. in this apartment. Thinking about the speech. Not wearing pajamas, literally in his underwear. Yeah, thinking about <laughs> thinking about it. Right. So, like, the moment he he's try, he's he begins to sort of, like, grow up and think about what he's going to do, then he hits this roadblock of this, of this violation, personal violation from the person who he got all this information from. Yes. And I, yeah, and I think it's also just like life is strange. Like you, you're heading in one direction, and you feel like you hit a good road thing, and then out of nowhere, something you never saw coming will change everything. Yeah, it's a warts and all humanity thing that Salinger definitely likes to portray. Like there's that, you know, like, but no person is like the hero of this story. Everyone's very flawed, you know, and Holden yeah. has no role models. And yeah, because like mis- clearly, Mr. Antolini is a very troubled man. He drinks like he's drinking even. After everyone went to bed. So yeah. he's alone in the dark drinking a highball. Yeah. Which is a crazy person thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's got this bad marriage. He left his high school job to teach NYU, which sounds fine, but he's basically married a very rich woman, and now he's just kind of like a stay-at-home husband Yeah, who just drinks like crazy and, and worries about one student. <laughs> um, so, like, even him f- – maybe it's this. Maybe it, he, Mr. Antolini has figured out these intellectual things. Like, this is how you live life intellectually. And it still isn't enough. Like what he needs yeah. is a, a good marriage. What he needs is to stop drinking. What I like need? that. I like that. That that I that I can jive with, right? Is it like is it like you know, Antolini has thought himself to the moon. You know, what I mean, he's got he's thought himself all the way there. 
But without genuine love and genuine connection, uh, you're still lost. So Antolini is clearly lost. Yes. If, if he's looking for something with Holden, yeah. Even that Holden if it's doesn't like, want. I want to love, even if it was as innocent as possible. Yeah. I want to love this kid. Sure. And he goes too far because it's not the right way to do it, just because he doesn't know what he's doing. Ex- well, yeah. I mean, like, d- yeah. I mean, like, I yeah. But uh, sure. But like, um, right. Doesn't matter. He's 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 a f- he's still super flawed. Antolini is yes. Antolini is undoubtedly portrayed as a very 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 flawed person here. So yeah, and the academics good. Not he's literally a yeah. professor. Like, right. So the idea would be book. to. If only you could get the Phoebe love wisdom with the Antolini intellectual wisdom. If you get those together, then you could be a person. Yes. Right? Um, you, you can. I mean, or even more, it's just like Phoebe's doing good. Phoebe's doing well, yeah. And so if you're going to pick one, pick the genuine love. Right. Uh, but also, Antolini gave Holden a lot. That's a lot of, like, that was dense and really interesting about the fall about the I mean the hating guys who played football like that's like that's just like he already does that you know what I mean yeah um and maybe Andalini is like I am you I also am falling right because he is drinking like crazy yeah so maybe he's in the middle of fall. he's like I know what's happening to me and it's dark down here yeah you and I'm do trying this. to stop you from because maybe that's what it was he saw himself in holding he's sure like yeah he's definitely seems familiar intimately with the uh, kind of like uh, holier than thou, <laughs> holier than thou intellectualism that can just lead you to feel isolated and totally alone. Yes, uh, and you don't know, right? You don't know you've hit the bot. You don't know you've hit the bottom because you never do. It's like you, that. That's a really dark metaphor. And like maybe that. this was Antolini's bottom. Like he literally got drunk all night and then he scared away a boy that he cared about. Maybe, yeah. I mean, uh, and then also there's he whole season was perfect and f- whatever. Just Antolini feels guilty. He does feel guilty. He doesn't. He's not. He's not uh, blameless. You can. You can see the blame in him. Yes. Um. So I mean, we're at about an hour and a half here. Oh man, sorry guys. This tense chapter. Also, you're welcome <laughs> for the content. Okay. Yeah. If you like us, this is a uh, this has been yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just like a a huge twist. It's like, and I talk about from the beginning of this chapter. It's set up so beautifully. I'm like, here is this character. Here's his character's ins and outs, and then here's a twist ending for this character out of nowhere. Yeah. So it's like a huge suspense moment for like, and it's built too subtly of like, he they kiss in public, they are in separate rooms all the time when they're in private. Like, you're like, oh, there's something weird, and then boom, here's the weird, like, it's written like a short story almost. Like, yep. you could submit just this chapter as a short story. Yes, yeah. It reminds me of, uh, there's an episode of Girls where like, she has a great conversation with this guy who's an author, and at the end... Uh, and like the author's like accused of like sexual assault, and yeah, they have this long discussion about it. And at the end, the author like like sexually assaults her, like just takes his his penis out. Um, and it's like that a standalone piece. Yeah, it stands alone, and it's got this crazy arc and uh, a lot of intellectual at the beginning, and a little bit of betrayal at the end. Yeah, and it's also like the right advice can come from the wrong people. Of like, here's a broken yes. man giving you the what the words you need to hear, but he himself cannot figure his own life exactly. out. Exactly. Um, yeah, there's no heroes in this book. And maybe this is even a little bit of like Salander being like, hey, don't like, because people came to him like, please give me advice, you wise. It's like, I'm just a fiction writer. I'm, a, I'm not a perfect man. Please, like. I may pat your head. <laughs> I may pat your head when you sleep on my couch. <laughs> yes. It is very weird, and it's very complicated, and. For for all intents and purposes of the book, Holden feels violated and it sends him out into the streets once again. Here he was, he thought yeah. he was in his own he was in his actual home, but he wasn't home yet. 
He went to his second home, his uh, his second older brother, to sleep on his second older brother's couch, to be there for a couple days that he gets to go see his sister's play. And didn't work out. Didn't work out. Yeah. Night one, it, it all... This has all been one day. <laughs> it's been a tough day for Holden. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at the very least, we know that. You know, we have got that. Um, and then it just it pushes you into now he's run out of well. Also, he's just now run out of places to hide. He has no more money for a hotel. His his reliable couch is gone. Yep. Uh, he can't go home, or he has to go home, or he has to stay in the streets. Now we've reached that level of things are not going good, and it brings us to chapter twenty five, which will be. The big resolution of, like, here's where it all comes together. Like, his one last opportunity to hide is gone. And now it's like, all right, put up or shut up. Here we go. Right. So we are, yeah, this is the penultimate episode of this season. Next episode, we're going to talk about the ending of the book, and we're going to talk about our impressions in general. And I know this this stuff's going to um, factor into that episode as well. So we this is we're not done with the Antolini episode. Uh, and Holden's. Yeah, role he, in he it. reacts yeah. to it a lot in the next chapter. So yeah, we'll have more context to play on. All right, thank you for listening. I'm Terrence Hartnett. Uh, that's Ha Hartnett on Instagram. <laughs> Kev, where can they find they you? They can find me on Twitter at, at Kevin Lomkovich. Um, yeah, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week. We're a couple of phonies. Goodbye. <laughs> Coming through.